Hey everybody, welcome to this month's Metal Misconduct. I'm Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records, and of course, as always, Sean Rourke from NHL.com is here. Hey everybody, it's greatest time of the year right now, so uh, let's get to it. Exactly. So since it's May, and it's insane hockey time, so Sean's out of his mind, and I'm out of my mind trying to watch as much hockey as I can in and around dealing with 4 million business things. I always, a couple of years ago, I had the unbelievable opportunity for my other radio show to interview Igor Larionov, hockey hall of famer, legend, and uh, really cool guy. And I always wanted to, to replay it on Metal Misconduct. And since everything's kind of crazy this month, it seemed like a, a good time <laughs> to replay that. So this way, uh, you know, Sean doesn't have to dig up somebody real quick. And uh, it's always difficult, I think, in the playoffs because either everybody's still playing hockey or the, who's, the ones who aren't aren't very happy. No, they've all gone into lockdown. You know, uh, we had Mike McKenna on a couple of weeks ago, and he just drove home from Binghamton to St. Louis and uh, followed it on Twitter. It was not the happiest of trips. Yeah, and speaking of that, it's been a, a crazy f- first round with, you know, the Penguins being out and the Canucks being out and – the Rangers haven't played Game Seven yet. I have a feeling they're probably going to win. By the time you guys hear this, you will have they will have played it. And the Caps and the Bruins. I think the Bruins are going to win that series too. Which, if it all happens, sets up for I guess both a, a nightmare and a great series nightmare for the Flyers. But they would have to play the Rangers again. Yeah, the Flyers. Uh... I always thought that they were going to have the toughest out in the East, which is why I, I had no interest in picking them to get out, um, you know, between the Penguins and then the Rangers and then possibly the Bruins to get to the final. Um, it's it's not a pretty picture, but, you know, if they play like they did against Pittsburgh, it'll be interesting to see. But it'll also be interesting to see when they play a team that has some semblance of a defense and a goaltender playing at the top of their game. So uh, yeah, but it'll see- be an interesting second round for them here's my theory though on that if you watch that penguins uh flyer series which was to me one of the greatest series i've ever seen in my entire life i mean it had everything scoring deep offense uh fighting everything it was just insane and the the level of skill and play was insane and if you watch any of the other series first of all all the other series are to me played at about 50 percent speed as compared to that penguins flyer series and for example you watch a guy like Jonathan Quick, amazing goaltender. He's had a phenomenal season, but he goes down early on every shot, and every shot hits him low. Hit, shoot high. If you watch the Penguin Fire series, probably 80% of those goals were all high, high in the corner. Nobody's stopping those shots. So you can say what you will about how badly Brzezgalov or Fleury may have played, and neither of them played a great series, but at the speed and skill level that those players are at and where they were shooting the puck, nobody's stopping those pucks. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you to the point that there was a lot of skill in that series. That's as bad as I've seen Mark Andre play. I don't know if there was something wrong with him. You know, I know he's not going to play for Canada in the World Championships. He let up some rebounds that I haven't seen him let up in uh, probably since his sophomore year in the league. He just seems so stiff and unsure of himself. He just he never had that swagger that carried him to the finals two years in a row and, and won him the cup that one year. So, uh, you know, I thought that he was the difference in it and the difference in a bad way. You know, uh, they blew that lead in game one and, and then, you know, and they blew leads in the first three games, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, you know, they showed how, how much they can do when they won uh, games four and five. You know, I, I think if they don't blow those two leads in one and two, we're looking at a game seven uh, tomorrow night. And unfortunately we're not. Yeah. Well, tomorrow night, Tomorrow night. In, being, in, being when we're taping this, which is uh, April. What day is today? April? 
24th. 24th. So and you guys are hearing this on May, uh, early first, first Saturday in the May. So anyway, yeah, I, I think the both goalies were a little dinged up. I know Brizgalov has a foot problem. But still, I mean, you, you see a lot of those shots. I mean, there's shots there that, that people aren't going to stop. But I also think that because the skill level of those two teams is so great, and I've said all season, those are far and away the two most skilled teams. They have the most skilled players on, those, on both of those teams. I mean, look, between Crosby, Malkin, and Giroux, those are right now, by a landslide, I think the three best players in the world. And nobody's no. come close to them. So here's the question, though. The new narrative that comes out of this after six games is that all of a sudden Claude Giroux is the best player in the world. Um, I'm not sure I'm buying that narrative. I'm curious about your take on it. Well, I, I'm not going to anoint him the best player in the world. I still think that Crosby and Malkin probably have that. Um, unfortunately, Ovechkin, I think, is out of the picture a little bit. He's played so poorly the last season and a half. He, he's not in that equation anymore. But look, it I think the Flyers knew what they were doing when they got rid of Carter and uh, Richards. And Giroux's all season been phenomenal. And, you know, I look at a guy like him, when he needed to come up big in Game 6, he had a phenomenal game. I mean, that was a legendary game. So he's certainly in the conversation now. I mean, look, it's it's early to tell. We've got to see how he plays the next few years. But you also have to remember that he was phenomenal when the when the Flyers went to the finals. Carter and Richards did nothing nothing and that was all Hartnell and Giroux and those guys who who really picked up the slack and got that team to the final so look if he continues to play like this in the next couple of years and I can't see that he's going to slow down he's certainly going to be one of the top players out there I mean he's, he's probably there now I mean you know I don't know why LaViolette said he's the best player in the world now I think it's a little too soon but you know he's got to you know yeah. he's got to play the games he's got to play I guess yeah, you know, and and I'll tell you what, the one thing that, that impressed me was I really thought after they lost game five and uh, Giroux went all temper tantrum and broke his stick over the over the goal bar and, you know, kind of stormed off. Like, to me, that's not what you you'd never want to see your leaders kind of showed that kind of emotion publicly. I, I always think that's a bad thing. You know, Alfredson did it in game six against the Rangers, and I, I thought it was a bad thing. That always kind of turns me a little bit because you're supposed to be better than that. And I think Claude knew it a little bit, and he came out in game six, and he just, you know, that first shift is is was messy, like, uh, and kind of sending a message to, to everybody about what that game was going to be about and where it was going to go. I mean, you flatten Crosby six seconds in, 26 seconds later, you're up one nothing, and then you get that Philly crowd, which is just filthy. And, and I mean that. <laughs> I mean that as a compliment. I mean, if you, <laughs> you want to have a home game, that's that's the crowd you want behind you. I mean, they are just they're a vicious pack of animals, and uh, you know they had as big a part of that game six, I think, as anything. They just they just took the will right out of the Penguins. It was the third period was kind of sad to watch because they're a better team than that Pittsburgh. Well, and I think that's really what happened with Pittsburgh too. Is they is both Crosby and Malkin like lost it. They totally lost it. You know, Crosby's comments were not very captain-like, if you ask me. And I think that they, the Flyers got under their skin and they got those guys off their game. And, and that, to me, when I look back at the Cup team when the Pittsburgh won the Cup in 09, they lost Gill, Scuderi, and Gonchar, three really good, experienced defensemen who also provided a lot of leadership on that team. And they, they missed that. They need a veteran leader, especially on the blue line. I think if they're going to win another Cup, look, they still have the, the nucleus of all those guys who are great, but they need that, that calming especially on defense guy who can calm everybody down and do that. And really, Gonshar played a huge role, and obviously Gill, too. And without those guys, they, they lost their composure, and they didn't play very well defensively. 
Yeah, no, that's that's 100% spot on. I thought maybe Brooks Orpik was going to be that guy. And, it, you know, he really wasn't. I don't think he played poorly, but he didn't really step up. And, you know, Paul Martin and, and Mahalik, who I both thought, both of those guys I thought were going to be great for them, fit right into their system, especially Martin moving the puck. They were not very good, you know, after defending them the whole year and saying that they'd be better when push came to shove. They weren't very good. And, you know, they, they need something on defense. That, that turnover that, that Lovejoy made in, in game two, I think it was, you know, just doomed them. I mean, it was such a bad turnover. And, and it just, you know, it, it changed the whole the whole series right there. You know, you saw the same thing in, uh, in even though Phoenix won uh, their game five uh, to knock out. Chicago, you know, they had to put in uh, David Schlemko, and he was completely outclassed. You know, that was the same thing with Lovejoy. When when you don't have any depth on defense and you lose one guy, you're going to lose one in the playoffs, and you get down to your seven, and he's no good. You're in a lot of trouble. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting. The West is all set. It's Phoenix, Nashville, L.A., St. Louis. I, I can't. I, I think that there'll be less goals scored in the St. Louis, L.A. series than there were in one period of the Penguins-Flyers series. Uh, I and be seven goals scored in that series. That's what I said. I said the over under seven. Seven, <laughs> seven periods of overtime. So I think there's going to be seven goals scored in fourteen. Uh, in uh, and uh, what would that be? Twenty twenty eight periods of hockey. One and, every four periods. And not a lot in in the Nashville Phoenix series either. In fact, I think both of those series will have at least one game go to overtime zero zero. You want to hear the craziest stat out of all that? Pekka Rene, who was fantastic in knocking out Detroit, has a 944 save percentage. He statistically is the worst goalie in the West, left in the Western Conference playoffs. 944. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the West plays, and I mean, all those teams are defense first, partially because they don't have any talent up front to really score. So it's all defense first. And look, you look at a guy like Mike Smith playing in Phoenix. You know, he was horrible last year with Tampa, just horrible. And he goes to Phoenix, totally different system. They play in front of him very well, and he's great. I mean, look at Brizgala. Brizgala, when he was in Phoenix, was one of the top goaltenders in the league because they play that system in front of you. You put him in Philly where it's the run and gun 80s Edmonton Oilers series and uh, hey they win all you got to do is stop you know one fewer one more than the other team like Grant Fuhr used to do and nobody argues that Grant Fuhr wasn't a great goaltender but he gave up five six seven eight goals on a regular basis different styles of play yeah no and and you know I mean Mike Smith is, is he's been really good for the for the Coyotes you know when he was in Tampa he had a lot of concussion problems um you know lost his job to Rollison and, and so I'm really happy to see him come back and you can talk all you want about how defensive the Coyotes are but they're still playing hockey right now if he doesn't stand on his head in game 1 of of uh, I mean in period 1 of game 5 they were outshot 16 to 2 and and Chicago was all over them and he made some saves that you still shake your head about so he pretty much saved their season right there and let them get their their act together and and you know pull away in the second and third periods oh i totally agree with you there i I watched that and he was standing on his head and look you know he's gotten his confidence back he played a full season in phoenix he's confident now so he's playing he's playing extremely well that's an interesting series because i think a lot of people you know obviously i still think nashville's probably going to make it to the finals but Really, anybody could win any of these series, so it's going to be interesting to see who who gets through and, and who and who's going to play. And the East is really interesting as we sit today because you you're you're 
so many different scenarios. I mean, if both Boston and the Rangers win their game sevens, then you've got Boston's got a, you know, I keep saying this because I thought the Devils were going to easily beat Florida and they haven't. In fact, that's the another weird, this is the weirdest playoff rounds ever, I think, playoffs. Because the Devils, by far, had the best penalty killing in the league during the regular season. They've been torched in the playoffs. And the Penguins, who were second best, were also torched in the first round. So it's really crazy how it cha- all that changes in just a few days. You know, you know what it is, I think, more than anything, is it shows you how good scouting is in this league. You know, you play an 82-game season, and you don't see, even if they're in your division, you only see them six, uh, six times a year, you know, and, and you don't have a ton of time to prepare for guys. You, you, you know, you go in, if you're, the, if you're the Devils and you play Florida, you know, you go in the day before, you, you do a little tape work, and you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. But you give any coaching staff in this league four days with film, and they're going to figure everything out. They're going to figure out the goalie. They're going to figure out the penalty kill. They're going to figure out the power play. You know, and it's whoever can make the adjustments the fastest. And, you know, I, I think that Florida did a phenomenal job of, you know, figuring out how aggressive New Jersey's penalty kill is and exploiting that and, 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 you know, turning what should have been a real weakness into a real strength. And I think the Flyers did a little bit of that too. And especially on the power play, they just, they realized that if they put guys up on the points against the Penguins, that takes away their whole power play right there. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, especially this week. So by the time you guys hear this, you, we will have known who won all the series. And I have no prediction. I, I'm hoping the Caps win just because – I think it'd be interesting, but uh, I think the the Bruins and the Rangers are probably going to win, which, like I said, sets up that crazy Ranger Flyer series and really almost gives a pass to the Bruins because, well, like I said, I thought that the Devils were going to easily beat Florida, so I guess you never know these days, but uh, I just don't want Tim Thomas to win. Yeah, uh, you're not a big fan. You know, it's it's amazing. I the East could go two ways, you know. If Boston wins and the Rangers win, you, you still have a pretty good group there. You know, you have three teams that are really cup contenders and are, you know, huge markets and have really good hockey traditions. If it goes the other way and Ottawa wins and uh, Florida wins against the Devils and uh, Washington wins against uh, against the Bruins, you have a completely different look in East. You know, you have Ottawa and and Washington and Florida and, and Philadelphia. And then, you know, I think you pretty much might as well invite Philadelphia to uh, the June festivities immediately. Well, and if that happens, the Flyers would be the only team that's ever won the Cup before. Yeah, I think if uh, I think you could get a – uh, if a series breaks right, you could get a. There would only be one team that has ever won a cup before, anyway. Um, I think seven out of the eight, no matter how it breaks, are going to be first time cup winners. Yep. Well, crazy. We'll see how it all goes. Should be interesting. By the time we talk to you guys again in early June, we should be we should be in the Stanley Cup Finals by then, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Stanley. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's usually uh, Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, yeah, right around, uh, we'll be right around game one or two. Well, craziness. All right, well, enjoy the rest of the playoffs, everybody. And uh, poor Sean will be working overtime as always. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing better, though, right? I know, I love it. I, I just wish, I always forget, I really need to, like, stop working as much as I do in May. It's been kind of nice this week because I was able to watch a lot of the first round, but it gets crazy. I'm going to miss the, the these games all, all week this week probably, so... Uh, I know this is kind of like the divorce process right here. You go from having three or four games a night to to one game a night. I mean, they mean more, but there's just not that smorgasbord of hockey that you get in the first 
10 well, days of the playoffs when there's four games a night. And this year, you know, you can say what you want about American TV, but the the games on on NBC, you know, and putting every game on, no matter, you know, even if it's CNBC or, or whatever channel it is, the ability to sit on your couch and watch four games in HD TV and, and never have to go to your computer or anything else, it changed the way I watched the playoffs this year. It was a fantastic experience the first round. No, I agree, and I love that they're all on, on as well. So I'm not going to complain about that. I can, I'll complain about the guys calling the game sometimes, but uh, not that. So, But anyway, uh, so now we're going to go and uh, listen to a couple years ago my talk with hockey legend, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest. He is one of the greatest players ever to play, Igor Larionov. And then, uh, right, John, I'm not uh, speaking out my butt. No, right? you are not. They called him the professor for a reason. Um, and one of the most cerebral players I've ever seen play. Just so smart. And you know why he's been so good since he left hockey? I mean, I think that's what, when, when you realize some of these guys, when they get out of hockey and they do really great things, no matter what it is, and some of his has been hockey-related, some of it hasn't. He's done so many different things. He's been an agent. He's He's been in the wine business, which I'm sure you're familiar with, with your love of wine. You know, and everything he does, it's like the golden touch. And, and I think it just, you know, it speaks to these guys what how good they are and, and how driven they are. Are, no matter what business they're in, they never want to lose. They always want to be better than everybody else. They study everybody's weaknesses, and you know they just exploit them. And and you know he by far is is one of the greatest playmakers I've ever seen play this game. Cool. Well, without ado, actually, I think we'll play a Metallica song first, and then we'll go into the Igor. Actually, we'll just go straight to Igor. We'll we'll hear some music in between the segments that I did. Uh, and it's it's an older show, uh, older interview, obviously. But I really wanted you guys to hear it. It was a true honor for me to be able to speak to him, and he was really super cool. So check it out, and we will talk to you guys right around the Stanley Cup Finals in June. Enjoy the rest of the ride, and uh, who knows who we'll see in June. It'll probably be a first-timer, and uh, there'll be a lot of excitement in whatever city it is, and we'll probably be doing at least half of Metal Misconduct from whatever city that is, so we'll give you a little taste of what the finals feels like. Awesome. All right, here we go. Igor Larionov. So I guess well, I want to begin. We should uh, probably talk a little bit about uh, what's going on at the Olympics over there. I want to get your thoughts on how everything's going so far over there in the hockey world. Well, I guess uh, it depends, like, uh, what kind of answer you uh, expected from me, you know, like about uh, Team Canada, Team USA, or Team uh, Finland, Team Russia, you know? Well, just as a hockey guy, I would think that you would have some interesting things to say. Well, I guess, uh, you know, so far, you know, I've been watching the uh, last three, four days because I was in Europe and uh, I was in, uh, actually in Russia till Saturday, so I didn't have a chance to watch the games, but... Uh, uh, last three days, I've been watching almost every game, and uh, it's been like it's been a very interesting hockey. So, and a nice, uh, lots of fun, you know. Like guys been skating well, and the quality of hockey is very, very, very good. So, and even like a team uh, from Switzerland, and uh, you know, there was the teams, uh, you know, they they play really good hockey. So, I was uh, very pleased with that uh, kind of like uh, direction the hockey goes right now. Yeah, do you feel that the rules that the NHL has started this year has helped that, and maybe that's one reason why we've seen a little bit more finesse and action at the Olympic Games? Well, I guess you know what you can you can uh, we can say about that, but you know you shouldn't forget about uh, there is uh, all the best players uh, from the National Hockey League uh, and all the best guys. You're not talking about like uh, if you're talking about like let's say like LA Kings, they got like two final uh, finesse lines and two like lines which is like checking lines. And this, like you're talking about, like uh, national teams, and they got all the best players who can be effective offensively, defensively, finesse, and skill and talent. You know, this is like a, uh, bring the game uh, to the next level. 
Absolutely. Well, I think also if you look at a lot of the younger players, especially you look at Team Russia and you look at Kovalchuk, Ovechkin, Malkin. I mean, the young talent that the Russians have right now seems to be just incredible. I mean, those really those three guys in the next five to ten years could be the three best players in the world. I agree with you. So that's what the Russian team is so, so good right now. I mean, like they're playing real good hockey, and that's uh, that's why we, because they got some like a uh, uh, new talent, which is like a uh, young guys who is like uh, 22, uh, 20, and 19, and they. Uh, Kind of big, physical, but beside that, they got some. They got so much talent and so much skill, and that's what uh, I guess the team USA and Team Canada were looking for. You know, they didn't have that much uh, depth. You know, they picked the team like uh, two years ago instead of like picking the team today. Yeah, they definitely picked a lot of the older guys. Talking about the Russian hockey, obviously you grew up in the in Russia when it was uh, still the Soviet Union in the '60s. How do you think that the 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 early stages of hockey, like the youth hockey programs, have changed from when you grew up in Russia to where it is now, where guys like Malkin and Ovechkin and Kovalchuk are coming from? Well, I guess uh, you know the we got through the last ten years. So I think we got more ice rings been built in uh, in Russia, so the kids having a chance to play. But it's still kind of like uh, if uh, we can go like deep in the in the question, you know, in the topic. So it's going to be. Uh, it's going to take us like a one hour to describe you what's, what's really going on there. <laughs> but same time, uh, the only like uh, kind of like advantage we have in uh, in Russia because the, if you're talking about program like a kids program, so we got the former hockey players. They coach. Uh, I mean, they uh, they coach in the kids. You know, that's that's make a big difference. If you're talking about uh, let's say U.S. or Canada, so we got like anybody can coach. Like the guy who's like doing like a investment uh, investment officer so he can be a coach or uh, uh, like a taxi driver can be a coach in kids you know but in Russia nothing happened like that so always like the the guy who played the game former hockey player he's he's uh, he's coaching like kids from age six or age five to like uh, 17 or 18 that's that's make a big difference because that's the only way you can give that experience you can show the kids the proper way uh, how to skate handle the puck and uh, and to play a good hockey it seems to me, you know, coming from a North American view, it seems to me that, that the Europeans, especially Russians, the Czechs, you know, all, a lot of them, they teach much more skill and skating, I think, over there than they do in North America. Do you feel that that's, that's similar, that, that that's true or not? You're talking about the Russian, the Russian way to coach? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess the Russian way, you know, like, uh, let's say uh, I have my little boy, he's seven years old, he's been playing hockey here in Michigan, in Detroit, and... Uh, you know, I can see, like, they play in so many games, like, at this age, you know, seven years old. So when I was that age, I don't think, I don't remember I played any games. I've been, I've been practicing every single day. Not every single day, but like maybe three, four times a week. And then plus I was doing some little extra work uh, because of that long winter in Russia. I was playing, like, outdoor or if it's the springtime or it's the summertime, I was playing on the, uh, uh, asphalt, you know. And that we kind of, like, work on that age, work on the skating back control, back handling, you know, stick handling, that kind of stuff, you know. That's what it's all about because, you know, you got to let the kids, you know, to get the fundamentals before you got to start to uh, play hockey games at age seven. Yeah, it's almost like a musician, instead of practicing a lot while they're starting, it's like playing gigs right away as opposed to doing just spending time practicing. Exactly, exactly. That's what, you know, that's what the big difference between the, I mean, North American and the European hockey. Uh, just to stay in the, on the Russian thing for a couple minutes, what do you... Obviously, there's been a huge transformation between where the country was 20 years ago and where it is now. What is one thing that you miss that existed before uh, 1990 
in the early days that you miss now that's not there? Uh, well, it's a good question. You know, it's uh, let me think about it. You know, that's uh, you know, I you know, I left uh, I left Soviet Union that time. I was eighty nine, and I you know, I spent like a last seventeen years uh, in North America. But I'm coming back uh, almost every summer. Every summer when I was uh, playing in National Hockey League, now I'm done with, uh, with uh, active hockey. So, but I'm back in Russia almost like uh, once in two months for like uh, ten days, and I guess. Uh, uh, before the tournament, before the Olympics, you know, I was saying to the Russian press, you know, it looks like we got some good, uh, talented hockey players, but we don't know how to put the good team together. So, and it looks like uh, they, uh, something going to happen this time around because you know, it looks like the team has been like very well balanced, and uh, even like a couple of positions, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy about it, but uh, looks like uh, uh, right now, like uh, the team, it's like who is playing right now in the Torino, uh, looks uh, looking very good. So because they got the balance, they got like uh, some. Uh, Older guys, they got some young you know, generation of players, and everybody kind of like playing with a, with a big heart for the country. So that's what they've been lacking for the last six, 16 years when the Russian uh, Soviet Union disintegrated. So and the players went to National Hockey League, and nobody wanted to play because of that. They became like all like North American guys, and they, uh, they know uh, they got some respect and the right tr- uh, treatment from the coaches in National Hockey League, and they're going back to play for the Russian team, and all of a sudden they got the guy who is from Russia, from the Soviet Union, from the old school, and trying to tell them, like, hey, uh, you got to do, you got to do this, you got to do that, uh, which is like uh, kind of like a different, different way, uh, different approach, different uh, treatment for the players, you know. Yep, and the good goaltending helps as well. <laughs> goaltending, obviously, yeah, we got some like a really uh, like a couple of good goalies. Uh, I mean, Nabokov playing really well, and Javi Bullin and uh, and Bruce uh, Gallo play for Anaheim. So we got some like a really nice uh, mix of players, and it uh, looks like. Uh, uh, you know, even like uh, economics, uh, like uh, not very good in Russia for the last 15 years, but still being able to produce some good talent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the one thing that's always kind of hurt the Russians in a lot of these international tournaments. Like if you look at the last World Championships, just the the goaltending was a little bit better, or even the World Cup. I think that they could have gone a little farther. But it's good to see them doing well. Yeah, thank you. Coming over to playing in the NHL for all those years, how was the hockey different from what you were doing internationally in the, and in the Soviet Union to coming over and playing in the NHL? Well, I guess uh, uh, when we're talking about like 16, 17 years ago, so the hockey was uh, way different than now. So now we got some, uh, you know, especially like uh, the new rules this year and uh, kind of like make the game more, more faster, like a more like a more flow to the game. So you can see like a, a more penalties called, and but at the same time, you know, maybe taking away some little bit like a, a kind of like toughness from the game because you know all my life I was like 27 seasons I was playing hockey. And I was going through like all those like, body checks and cross checks and the slashings and the kind of stuff, you know, tripping. So now looks like game became uh, getting more uh, more attractive and more more cleaner. So and I, I had to get uh, obviously more teams and uh, right now National Hockey League than 15, 17 years ago. And the uh, and I guess bigger guys, you know, bigger guys. And they, look, look at the guys now, like they uh, like six two, six four, six five, you know, like so huge and the big bodies, you know. But my concern is the uh, we're getting some like many teams in National Hockey League, but at the same time, you start to lose that kind of like finesse because you're not paying attention to like the little uh, little things like uh, like uh, uh, when the uh, young kid coming to the National Hockey League and uh, let's say he's going to play for Columbus and then Columbus trying to find uh, trying to fight to get the playoff spot and the, uh, the kid got the really good skills and uh, he wants to like uh, show and develop those skills and coach tell him hey you can't really do that uh, move on the blue line you got to keep it simple. And the guy, you know, we're going to lose the guy. You know, I mean, the, the guy is going to lose the confidence. 
And that's what uh, I'm afraid of, because we don't have that many players who can think now on the ice more uh, and skate and think and to be like a balanced hockey player who can be a really good sk- skater, guy who can create, be creative and uh, be very, like, uh, very skillful. You know, that's what, uh, like, let's say Pavel Datsuk, you know, that, that's the guy I can, you know, I can maybe, maybe make an example because of that, uh, the skill level, you know, skill level and, uh, and it's always fun to watch. Every time he touches the puck, you know, something's going to happen. That's what we gotta have, like those guys, like more in the because we, we gotta have like that in National Hockey League, uh, the product which is uh, it's very expensive product. People paying the money to watch the hockey game, so they want to watch like a really nice uh, uh, game. And sometimes you're watching like just a boring, boring uh, spectacle, you know. Yeah, of course. Well, it's it seems like it's a lot better this year. I mean, I, I oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, I go to so many games, and the last couple of years, you're exactly right. It's it's not was not that exciting, but now with the new rules, it's it's a lot better. And hopefully, too, with you know now that the stars can actually go out there and produce and do th- things creatively without having the defensive stuff going on as much. That that'll get the kids right. more into it. You know, like the, the new rules, like so new the new rules, especially like obstruction penalties, and you have to skate. You can't really hook and. Uh, you can't really hold, so that's that's hell. Because like in Russia, I mean in Europe, they are not using the red line for the last like maybe six, seven years, and you can see that even like you're talking about the Russian league, the low scoring games because they're that's easy to adapt to that system. You know, like when you got uh, no red line, and still you have like a game like one 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 nothing, sometimes even zero zero. But the big benefit in the National Hockey League because of that. Uh, you can't really uh, touch the player when he got uh, when when he skates. You know you can't really hook him if he can hold him. This just like make the game more skating, more for like uh, and more, uh, there's more scoring chances and more goals in every game. So let's talk about uh, your DVD a little bit. You uh, you had the the great uh, uh, honor of being uh, honored in in your home country for uh, the incredible career that you had. And you know I guess the one good thing about the lockout was you're able to get a lot of great NHL players come over and have a good time over there. How fulfilling was that to have everybody there, and what was that night like for you? Well, you know, uh, to be able to get all those guys uh, uh, to Russia at the same time for three days has been phenomenal. So that's what, uh, I guess, the, the lockout uh, in some way helped me to uh, to realize that dream. So because, you know, when I was... Uh, I knew I'm gonna I knew I knew I'm gonna retire like before lockouts. I knew I'm gonna play my last year in New Jersey, and then I and I was uh, I knew it was gonna be like a long lockout. And I was thinking about like uh, you know to to uh, like uh, pay a little bit like uh, a tribute uh, to the Russian fans, and uh, because you know I've been away for like 16 years uh, since 1989, and then I uh, was uh, planning like to have the, uh, the my final game in front of the Russian crowd because you know the people. Uh, didn't have a chance to uh, watch me play. Uh, I mean, even new, new generation of players, like uh, let's say, like Malkin. So when I left, he was uh, uh, like three years old. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's 19. So that's what I was uh, going to bring, like uh, all my friends, all my uh, uh, line mates and teammates, and uh, to celebrate like three day. Uh, I mean, celebrate my uh, uh, end of my career and to play the really good hockey game in Moscow. That's what uh, it was all. That's what it all uh, was all about. And I'm sure it was very difficult to get Kid Rock over there as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Yeah, so he, uh, you know, I, I was I was trying to keep it private because you know Kid Rock, like he's a well-known guy in the US and uh, in the U.S. and uh, in Canada, but he's not, not well known in Russia. But still, people who know the music, so they uh, uh, they, they know the guy. So and I was like, last minute, I was just telling the people, so the, he's going to be part of the group, and uh, and uh, he was having like, such a great time, and uh, the guys, and the three days, like on the, all the receptions, all the like. Uh, uh, private tours and the Kremlin and that uh, and um, and uh, tours of Moscow and everything was like uh, uh, taped 
for the DVD side. It's, it's been a great piece of work uh, made by uh, uh, my friend uh, from the Chrome, uh, Chrome Bumper film, uh, John Quigley. He's done a very, very good job. And there's been screenings of it, too, in, in movie theaters as well, right? Yes, we, yeah, we had that uh, screening in, uh, in Detroit. Uh, it was like a nice uh, uh, kind of like premiere in Detroit. It was the middle of January, so like the uh, first time ever at the city of Royal Oak. But I, we had that uh, private screening for that uh, Royal Oak Music Theater, and the streets were closed by police, and it was like red carpet. It was very nice, and lots of fans showed up. It was, like, even like it was a bad day, like it was snowed snow day in Detroit, but it was like a sold out uh, uh, event, and that was very nice, and a lot of people showed up, and they had a, such a great time, and, uh, and I was pleased, like, uh, people like, uh, liked that piece of uh, documentary, and uh, I was proud, like, uh, to be able to uh, sp- uh, spend my, you know, like, uh, kind of like time with the, with the fans in Detroit, because, you know, I, I took my guys, and took my players to Russia to play that game, but at least, you know, I had a chance to to show them first and in, in Detroit uh, that uh, uh, DVD. <clears throat> awesome. And any plans of doing something similar uh, in Russia as well? Well, we we planning to do that uh, maybe like uh, Ju- uh, May or June in Moscow. So that's what I you know I'm trying to. Uh, you know, I got some friends uh, who's going to help me out to put a kind of like a nice event uh, in uh, downtown Moscow. I think it's going to take place. Uh, uh, most likely, it's going to be like a May or uh, or. Uh, middle of june so because of that uh period of time it's going to, it's going to be nice and warm and uh and then uh, same time you can make that kind of like a titles in russian language so because the the film has been made on english so and i've got to uh, have like subtitles in russian language so and uh i know we got you know my uh background and uh and uh, lots of fans want to see that uh, film also in russia now you're also a wine connoisseur as well aren't you well, well, it's kind of like my new uh, new venture. So you know, I've been like enjoying that uh, kind of like a, a new business and uh, new opportunities, and uh, and I've been doing some couple of wines uh, in California, in Napa, and then uh, and a couple of wines in Australia. So which has been uh, like uh, you know, it's a good start. You know, I can't really complain about that. So I like that always uh, to have a two glasses of wine. Uh, night before the game, and I'm still doing that. <laughs> I, I am well, well with you there. I'm a big uh, Bordeaux fan as well. And one, I was in Moscow actually uh, twice last summer. And one thing that was really interesting to me was there's Bordeaux wine everywhere. I could not believe every corner store had plenty of it. So you know what? It's uh, Ryan. You know, for for me, for me, I'm trying to bring the California wines to the Russian market. So I know uh, the French wines and uh, and Italian wines have been very, very. Like uh, almost in every corner, like you said, you know, in Moscow. But uh, but uh, Russian people, they have no idea about how good is California wines, and that's what my uh, kind of my my goal is uh, to uh, show the Russian people like uh, there is uh, besides uh, French and uh, Italian and the Spanish wine, there is a really nice uh, California caps and the Chardonnays and the uh, Zinfandels and Syrah, and then that's what I'm. Uh, uh, Merlots, and uh, you know, that's right. I'm trying to bring that uh, to the Russian uh, Russian uh, public. Shouldn't be too difficult. The California wines are very good, obviously, and uh, if, if well, they like the wine over there, they should be able to get into it. Well, that's what we're trying to do. So it's not easy, like to break that uh, barrier, you know, like uh, because people, uh, you know, Italy and France have been like a long history of the wine. So and, they, and it's going to take some time for me, like uh, to. But it looks like. Uh, uh, you know, I have a couple of tastings like uh, last week in Moscow and the St. Petersburg, so and the people I uh, really enjoyed the wine. So now I'm planning to have like uh, uh, four dinners in the in the, in the summertime, uh, two in St. Petersburg and the palaces, and uh, two in Moscow with uh, five top uh, American chefs and five top American winemakers. 
for like 65 charity events, you know, like uh, 65 people, and uh, like uh, four dinners in like uh, uh, end of June, beginning of July. Uh, that's definitely the way to do it. You get those people involved that, in it and get them to taste it over there. I'm sure they'll yeah, be very you should, you should be able to come, you know, to, uh, to, be, to be involved in that. So it's, it's going to be a nice event, you know, like, uh, like charity. We're going to raise some money for the kids, you know, and then in uh, the meantime, you can uh, at least show the people, like, uh, how good the California uh, wines and the people, especially, like, uh, the chefs and the winemakers, you know. Now, one of the things that I do on, on one of my shows is talk about music, so I have to ask you, uh, what kind of music do you like, and how influential did that play in your career? Can you find California wine at those jazz bars yet in Moscow? What's that? Can California, you find California wines there yet? <laughs> That's your job, right? I, I, you talking about Moscow? Yeah, yeah, Moscow. No, I don't see any California, no. See, that's your job to bring them in there now. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad idea, actually. You know, it's, uh, you know, but you got so, so much time, you know, because like, uh, you got to spend so much time there. So, and I got my family, so that's what I kind of like. I was... Uh, I kind of getting away from the from the game of hockey, and then I was I was thinking about uh, retirement is going to be nice and easy. But <laughs> I've been uh, like, uh, traveling like uh, crazy. You know, I've been in Moscow, I've been in Stockholm like two weeks ago. I was watching the uh, Oasis uh, at the at the Stockholm with a good friend of mine, Thomas Johansson, the guy who's uh, run the Live Nation company in Europe uh, or Clear Channel company. Yep. And then uh, you know, and that's uh, you know, it's it's been like a traveling. So now I'm back on the, on the road again, middle of. Uh, uh, March, I'm in San Jose doing the signing for my DVD, and then Vancouver next day. Then at my end of March, I'm in, uh, in Napa uh, doing the new blend for O4 at the, at the Napa Valley with a good friend of mine, Dave Miner, from my Miner Family Vineyards. And then I'm doing the food and wine show with NBC, and then I'm leaving for Australia for two weeks. So, yeah, so retirement's been very, very uh, mellow for you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So any, any thoughts about getting into coaching in the NHL or anything like that on the hockey side? You know what, I, uh, you know, I've been approached by Brian Burke uh, last year. Uh, uh, now he's with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, and I was approached with uh, Phoenix Coyotes before Gretzky was taking the job as a head coach. And I told him, uh, you know what, it's been t- uh, 27 years, and uh, you know, it's, obviously it's an uh, it's, it's honor to be like a, maybe first Russian head coach in National Hockey League, but at the same time, you know, 27 years has been... Uh, long time and I want to take my time away from the game just uh, you know to be around to be home you know spend much uh, you know I, I you know, at least I can get my own schedule you know that's what I'm trying to say and uh, to watch the my uh, my girls and my uh, my son still his old uh, boy to skate hockey and that that that's, that brings me so much pleasure you know to to see him like develop every day to make to getting better and uh, and I'm not like a coach but I'm sitting like with my wife on the stands and watching the game and uh, sometimes I kind of make like a little bit uh, Remarks about uh, this and that, but uh, usually, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from that. But I'm uh, kind of like it's nice to see him. It's, uh, he's having a good time. He's uh, really uh, enjoying the game, and uh, that's what it's all about. Your uh, your daughters are also working on getting in the music business as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they've been like working with uh, Bass Brothers, with uh, you know Bass Brothers, with Jeff and Mark uh, Mark Bass and the M&M yep. production team. 
So they got like three songs done. So, like, but it's you know it's not easy business. You know that's what I uh, you know they got some talent and uh, but it's uh, you know for me it's really hard like uh, to uh, kind of like uh, trying to help. But you know it's uh, it's not uh, kind of like uh, my industry. So in hockey, you know it's so easy. You know when you uh, when you got the talent, so you you going on the ice and you can't really hide like anything. So you got to show what you got in music business or show business. So some. That's uh, that's a, uh, it's impossible. So I mean, it's it's, it's possible, but uh, it's very hard to to find the right people who can take care of the girls and to see the talent and uh, and start to work with them. Yeah, it's definitely a much different than than the sport. I mean, it's very similar to the sports world in terms of the entertainment factor, but how you actually get to that point is definitely a lot different road traveled than for an athlete. That's for sure. But they got they got their dreams. So you know, they've been working hard. So they've been like uh, doing that. They have a dream to to be one day to get uh, to get that, to, to that level. So they got the style. And they got the character, so hopefully for me, for my wife, because my wife, she was two-time world champion in figure skating, so and that's uh, hopefully uh, uh, they can go like through those like uh, it's through the tough uh, kind of like a road in the show business and uh, and show some like, uh, what, what they got, like show the talent. So yeah, that's the one thing you know, being in the music business is the ones who are successful, the ones that keep, that have that drive, because you'll definitely you'll hit a lot of brick walls as you go through, but if you keep pushing and you have the talent and you get involved with the right people you can definitely make it happen that's for sure that's right well thank you so much for the time i greatly appreciate it all right all and right. tell everybody the dvd is available pretty much you can get it on your website right which is uh, yeah, I, yeah that's right and uh, you can also purchase it in uh, it should be available in best buy and blockbuster and all those places as and well the circuit city yeah mm-hmm. circuit city excellent excellent well good luck with that and uh, excellent to talk to you good luck with everything Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon. And there it was, my interview with Igor Larionov, the great Hall of Fame hockey player from a couple years ago. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It was really amazing to talk to him. He's such a cool guy. So we'll see you guys next month.